This podcast is made available for free globally. That is only possible through my relationships with advertising partners. If you would like to access an ad-free version of Practical Stoicism, go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Seed DSO-1 is a daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and prebiotic formulated to provide benefits for gut immune function and whole body health. I take it every morning before I eat, which is when it works the best, and I have noticed a big difference in my digestion, regularity, and even my skin. It's nice that this benefit comes in a small package that needs no refrigeration and really is just a couple of simple, small pills. You also get this cool little travel vial in case you're traveling, so you don't have to stuff a bunch of loose pills in your pocket, which is nice. It's also nice that this product is so rigorously tested from a scientific perspective, which makes seeds probiotic research, development, and innovation programs a lot more trustworthy. So trust your gut health to Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com forward slash practical and use code 25practical to get 25% off of your first month. That's 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com forward slash practical with the code 25 practical. Good morning to you and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. Thanks so much for being here. Before we start, I'd like to remind you that if you hate ads and you'd like to get rid of them, you can do so by becoming a subscriber to the premium version of this podcast for just $6 a month. For more information on that, head over to stoicism.supercast.com or check the link in the show notes. If supporting a podcast with money isn't your style, I get it. No worries. You can also support Practical Stoicism by reviewing it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com, or by sharing it with friends and family you think would enjoy it. Today's meditation is the fourth from Book 4, which reads as follows. This then remains. Remember to retire into this little territory of thy own. And above all, do not distract or strain thyself, but be free and look at things as a man, as a human being, as a citizen, as a mortal. But among the things readiest to thy hand, to which thou shalt turn, let there be these, which are two. One 
is that things do not touch the soul, for they are external and remain immovable. But our perturbations come only from the opinion which is within. The other is that all things which thou seest change immediately and will no longer be, and constantly bear in mind how many of these changes thou hast already witnessed. The universe is transformation. Life is an opinion. This meditation should sound a little familiar because we've touched on both points before. Marcus, in George Long's words here, is reminding us of two important points. First, that the events of the external world do not touch the soul, and by this he means that they cannot have an effect on us. Stoics, remember, feel the full spectrum of emotions the same as anyone else, but that the ability for external forces to have a sustained impact on our soul is something our minds have to allow. It may be true that these external events may cause us to wince, may cause us to react in a flash, but our minds are powerful, and we have the ability to get that snap judgment or response under control, and we must, because the other thing that Marcus is getting at here is a little more subtle that when we allow these things to sustain a hold on our minds, we degrade our virtue. We live less well when we are controlled by the chaos that uncontrolled emotions create. The second point Marcus is making is that everything you see out there in the world is constantly changing, that change is part of nature, and like people say, if you don't like the weather, wait an hour and it will change. The same is true of the coming and going of turmoils in life. A bad thing will happen, and then it will pass, and another bad thing will happen, and then a couple of good things, and then a few bad things, and all these things are constantly coming and going and starting and stopping and beginning and ending. This is easy to see when we read our history books, but it is less easy to see when we are living our lives in the here and now. We don't feel like history as we're living what will become history, but we will be history, and that means the cycles of And that means the cycle of good and bad things happening right now are the same as they were in history. That is to say that they are ever going on and cyclical. If things are ever changing, then we should take this into consideration when contemplating how we will react to them. This isn't to suggest, if there is a terrible thing happening in the world, that we do nothing about it. Rather, it's pointing out a kind of duality that I don't know we've explored before, so let's do that now. When you react to something, there are at least two things going on. The first thing is that you're determining how to feel about the thing causing the reaction. And the second is that you're deciding what to do about the thing that's causing the reaction. To walk through this, let's imagine a terrible thing. Not a terrible thing that affects us personally, but a terrible thing that affects others in a terrible way. Let's use the example of human bondage, of slavery. This is kind of on my mind anyway, because I recently read an article that stated there were more slaves today than there were in the United States prior to the Emancipation Proclamation. And that stat kind of floored me. Digging into it, I found that this included our traditional understanding of slavery, what you and I probably both think of when we think of slavery, but also other sorts, like the sort present in human sex trafficking, as an example. This is a terrible thing, and any practical Stoic should hear of something like slavery and think, this is a terrible thing, and it cannot be ignored. If I can do something about it, I must do something about it. So first, with this terrible thing, we have to figure out our practical position on it. We have to figure out how to frame it. A good Stoic, I think, is going to frame it like this. One, this is morally wrong. Two, this is not something I can stop on my own. Three, 
this is something that will change, though it will take time. And four, this is something so terrible that it could consume my entire attention, my entire life. I must not let it do that, but I must still, compelled by a love of justice, do something about it, if I can. And this leads to the question, what can I do? The answer to this question might be, nothing. It might also be, something, but I don't have the means to do that something. But it might also be, something. Full stop. And now we move on to asking what we can do, which will do the most good. For that, we have to consider a few things. First, what are we physically capable of? Second, what are we financially capable of? And lastly, what are we capable of in a power of influence sort of capacity? Very likely, we are not physically capable of impacting this specific terrible thing. We can't physically go and end slavery by ourselves. That's not something we have the physical ability to do. So are we financially capable of making a difference instead? If we are, then we are. And perhaps we can make donations on whatever recurring basis we're capable of to whatever organizations are boots on the ground trying to make a difference. Whether we are or are not physically or financially capable of standing up to such a terrible thing like slavery, we may be able to wield some power of influence. Perhaps we are prolific writers, or perhaps we are well-known artists in our local communities, or perhaps we have a very large circle of friends, and perhaps there is a fundraising event happening downtown that we can participate in or make people aware of. And if any of these things are true, then perhaps we can inspire others to action by advocating for the cause. But it is possible that we have no physical power, we have no money, and we have no fame, and we live somewhere where there are no fundraisers going on, or where... If we started our own fundraiser, it would have very little turnout and seem to be but a drop in the bucket as far as addressing the issue. Well, first of all, let me say, so what? $5 raised to fight slavery is more than $0, and it may play a very small, seemingly insignificant role in the big picture, but it will play a role, even if it's a small one. But also, at some point, we must accept two things. One, the limitations of our individual impact and two, the overwhelming number of terrible things which exist. We cannot fix everything. And even if we dedicated 24 hours a day of our day, seven days a week, to fighting as many terrible things as we could, we would max out at not even 0.000001% of all the terrible things. When we realize this, and doing what I am about to suggest next is very hard, we must find a way to accept it. We must accept our limits, and we must be okay with doing so, lest we curl into a ball, ashamed that we cannot solve all the world's problems single-handedly, and instead do nothing at all. Think of the sort of fallout that might occur if you spent all of your time fighting for causes. What about your pets? What about your significant others? What about your attainment of wisdom? What about your family? What about your passions and interests? What about your own mental health? If it's true that we can't fix all the problems then it's true that no expectation of an individual can be to solve all the problems. Remember our pavilion of virtue? There are four columns, right? Bravery, justice, temperance, and wisdom. You can't have one fully developed column and create a virtuous self, or even three fully developed columns and one that hasn't been developed at all. A good Stoic examines the external things, these events, these terrible things, accepts that they are not permanent, and frames all things as temporary, because they are. They then ask of themselves, what can I do to make things better? What am I actually capable of right now? How can I move this process along so that this terrible thing more quickly becomes a thing of the past? 
Then they answer those questions and take the requisite actions while remembering that the entire thing is temporary and ultimately beyond their control to solve entirely. And then, finally, they make a conscious decision to commit themselves to the actions which they can commit themselves to, and that there's a limit to that total number of actions and that commitment to solving terrible things, to justice. And those commitments can't consume 100% of their focus and attention. Stoics can play a role in making the world better, but that role will by necessity be limited. And they have other responsibilities, too to themselves, to their families, to their communities, and to their countries, which cannot be ignored in favor of the never-ending pursuit of justice. You might have a really well-developed pillar of justice, but your wisdom pillar isn't developed now, and your bravery pillar maybe isn't developed either, and your temperance pillar is not developed, so you become this partially complete person. You can't give everything to one pillar. So today, think about the terrible things going on in our world, and in your small world as well. Except that they are temporary. All problems are. Just like all great things eventually come to an end, all terrible things eventually stop happening. And then decide what is within your power to make a difference, and decide how to make that difference. And then go out there and make it with your time, your money, or your voice. Because being a good Stoic isn't just about being brave and wise. It's also about being just and in service literal service to the world and communities you live in. Thank you for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. If you enjoyed it, if you learned something from it, consider leaving a review of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com. Again, if you'd like to get rid of ads and if you'd like to support the show, you can become a premium subscriber by going to stoicism.supercast.com and any support you can give, I would greatly appreciate. Thank you again for listening and until next time, take care. Take care.